Uh, my name is Tyler Gatewood, and I am thankful for the opportunity to to teach this morning. And uh, I just a little background on me. I'm one of the pastors at Redeemer Round Rock in Round Rock, Texas. Some of y'all might be familiar um, with Redeemer. Uh, my wife, Megan, is here with me. We live in uh, Round Rock with our two boys, Graham, who is eight years old, and Rhett, who is five years old. And there's a lot of wrestling at our house. And I was thankful to get away this weekend without the wrestling. <laughs> so we've been able to spend this weekend here in Brenham. Uh, we got to go to the Cultivating Intimacy uh, conference yesterday led by Bruce and Susan Wesley. Um, if you had a chance to be here for that, that was a great time together. It was, um, it was just really encouraging. So, um, but in addition to well, leading at Redeemer Round Rock, I also get to um, help lead a, a initiative called Gospel Soul Care Counseling, actually with Kyle. And so we get to do counseling together um, in Brenham and around Rock and kind of the surrounding areas. And um, we get to work with pastors and, and church leaders and even staffs and, and, and just individuals, too, just to care um, about counseling and care about um, teaching people how to be a community of care. That's something that we're going to talk about today is like, what does it look like um, to be a community of care? Um, my wife, though, we often joke a lot about this when we when we talk about me being in counseling and working with counseling because when we're discussing something, up until yesterday, I thought this was good. Because I always said, till yesterday, hey, how does that make you feel? Okay, when we were discussing something. And I thought she enjoyed that. And then yesterday, we had this chance at the conference to uh, like have this lunch where we get to ask each other some questions. And I'm learning that that's not always the most enjoyable thing for her. <laughs> Sometimes she just wants to feel and not me ask about it, you know, and so, um, so I'm learning. I am, I'm a student, um, just like each one of us are. Um, but biblical counseling and just counseling in general is something that I can speak for Kyle and myself that we want to see churches grow in and we hope to train up more biblical counselors in the future. That you don't have to be a pastor or a seminary student. To be a, to be a biblical counselor. We, we want to see the church be able to equip one another, um, to counsel one another. And part of that hope and part of that desire comes from the fact that in the last two years, two and a half years, we've all walked through something together, um, as a nation and as, as a globe with, with, with COVID and all that, that it was involved with that. And what we've seen is a lot of hurt come out of that, a lot of anxiety, a lot of frustration, a lot of fill-in-the-blank emotion for whatever you that is or for whatever someone else that is, whatever emotion that is. And I want you to know, and, and, and I, I'm sure you've heard this already, but I want you to know this, that know that you're not alone and that you're seen by Jesus. That you're not alone, that you're seen by Jesus and that he cares deeply about you. But in addition, if you're a if you're a member here at Center, Center Church cares about you deeply, and you're not alone. This church wants to care for you and your family well. They want to come alongside you, and they want to support you in that. And so, so let me pray, um, and then we'll get started to talk about what it looks like to be um, a community of care and and how we even do that. So let me pray. Jesus, we thank you for this morning. 
Um, we thank you that you, um, you provide all that we need in you. That you are what sustains us. You are what um, helps us every day. And so, God, we, we thank you um, just for Jesus. We thank you for, for the work that you've done, that you said it's finished on the cross. And so, God, I pray that you just remind us that um, we are called by you to do this work. Um, we're called by you to serve one another. And that, that's really what it is. So we thank you for our time together. We pray for each one in this room. I pray that they, uh, they, are known, that, that they know that they're known and seen and loved deeply by you. So we love you. Um, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. So this morning begins a series that you'll be walking through in the month of February called Voices. Um, and so I'm very thankful to be able to, to start this series and to talk about what it means to be a community of care. Because as the church... We're called to live on mission. And one way for the church to live on mission is to be sent, and that's to be sent in how that we care for one another. Um, this morning, we're going to consider why that we should care, why we struggle to care, and what does it look like to, uh, to care. But the first question I want to ask you is, is like, why? Like, when you hear the idea of being cared for, just want you to think to yourself for a moment, like, what does that conjure up in my mind? What is being, like, when I think of being cared for, what does that mean to me? What does that mean to me? You know, for some of you, that may be a, a deep conversation with a friend, at them asking you how you really are. For some of you, that may be an act of service, of them mowing your grass or doing your laundry for you or doing the dishes for you. That, might be, that may be feeling cared for. For some of you, maybe a gift. Someone buys you a present, not for a birthday or for an anniversary or for Christmas, but just a present. You may feel very cared for in that way. For someone else, maybe a hug. Like, I don't know he, I don't know, know in here who's a hugger, but I'm sure there's one or two of you, and you love a good hug. Like, that helps deeply. And I know some of you in here are not huggers. You're like, please stay away from me. I just want you to distance is good. Six feet of distance is what we've been taught. So, um, but when you think of being cared for, what do you think of? And I bet as you, as you begin to think about that, you could even think of stories about here, how at center, how you've seen people cared for. Have you seen people um, have their needs met? And so um, I, I, I think about this a lot because I'm like, okay, if I want to model what it looks like to care for people, I have to consider how I've been cared for in my past. And so I think back back to 2013. Is, um, so my wife, Megan, and I, we moved. We were in South Austin, and we moved up to Round Rock to help uh, be a part of Redeemer Round Rock and help plant, plant Redeemer. And so, but we were leaving, like, I was leaving a full-time job and security and stability and all those things to help plant a church. And a lot of our friends thought we were crazy, like, that's a bad idea. And we're like, no, we just like the Lord is calling us to do this. And so, you know, as you're moving, you think, okay, well, we've got to find a place to live. Well, we don't know anybody. And we were apartment renters at the time, and we couldn't afford a house, you know. And so, like, well, we need to save up for a house. And so one of the pastors at Redeemer said, hey, come live with us. Come live with us until you can save up the money and, and, and find a house. And that was really generous to say, hey, we want you to come into our house and live with us. But what, it, what made it even more generous is that this pastor's wife was pregnant, and my wife was pregnant. 
and they were due about two weeks apart. So we were going to have four people in a roof together, two of them being pregnant. We don't know what to do. <laughs> and so um, while we were living there, we saw them love and care for us in a way that was amazing. And like the wife was a labor and delivery nurse. And so and we were having our first baby. And so at the time we were like, hey, is this, is this normal? Is this feeling okay? And they're like, oh, you're fine. Don't worry about that. You know, and I think it was more beneficial for me than anybody else because I had a thousand questions. But I remember that during those, those months there that um, the husband and I, we made many a Dairy Queen run for late night ice cream for people. Or late night water burger run. I know Dairy Queen, it's Bluebell Country. I know it's frowned upon here. So ice cream, we just said, we ran for ice cream. So, but we, they, we just saw them care for us though. And, and for me, who didn't grow up in the church, that was very foreign to me. And I, it made me ask myself this question of why would they do for that? Why would they model biblical care? So if you have your Bible, we're going we're to look at that. So go to Galatians um, chapter 6. And we're going to look at first of why do we care as the church? So Galatians chapter 6 in the New Testament um, Last chapter of, of Galatians. And so we're going to explore um, what being a community of care looks like. And in Galatians, it's going to begin to call us to that. So if you have, have your Bible, go to Galatians 6. I'll start in verse 1. It should be up here on the screen. Awesome. Verse 1, it says, Brothers, if anyone has caught any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, then his reason to boast in himself alone, and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. Verse 8. For the one who sows to his own flesh uh, will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one uh, who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Verse 9. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we, ha- as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are in the household of faith. See, Paul starts here in verses 1 through 3 of Galatians 6, and he lets us know of the need to care for one another. He says, brothers, if you are caught any transgression, you should restore them in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself. Verse 2, to bear one another's burdens. See, Paul's first call here to the church at Galatia was to restore in the spirit of gentleness. I want you to consider for a second, when you are restoring someone, when you are encouraging them, is it in a spirit of gentleness? Or is it in a spirit of fill in the blank, of anger? Or a spirit of I'm better than you? Or the spirit, whatever that spirit is, is it gentle or is it something else? Verse 2, I said, like I said, he goes, to bear the burdens of one another and so fulfill the law of Christ. 
So scholars say here, it says, it's not to fulfill the Old Testament law because they are no longer under that law because of Christ. He is urging the Galatians to love the neighbor as themselves and to imitate Christ, who is the ultimate example of someone who bears burdens as he took the burdens of sin, of the sins of mankind on the cross. See, Christ cares for us daily. He is the image and perfection of care. So why do we care? Well, because Christ cares for us deeply. But I'm going to be very honest with you. The idea of bearing someone's burdens feels like a lot, and it is. It is. It's, but we're reminded here, though, that our strength does not come from us, but from the one who goes before us, the one who's made a way for us. Like I said, Christ cares for us daily. He is the image of care. We have to remember as a church that we do not change lives. That's the work of the Spirit. We are simply called to be faithful to the work that God has placed before us. So think about that. Think about the people who are in your in your scope of care. Would that be, you know, a spouse, children, um, employees, students, clients, whatever that may be, co-workers. If Christ is our image of care, and he calls us to do the work set before us, how does that change how we care for them? When we're not caring for them out of our own strength, but out of the strength that comes from Christ, if we begin caring for people that way, how does that change things? We can even go to Ephesians 4, um, just a book ahead after Galatians, verses 1 through 3. And Paul tells the church at Ephesus here, that they are to be intentional in all that they do. Verse 1, he says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, there's that word again, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. To walk in humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. Well, we, we care because Christ cares for us. And we can do it with humility, gentleness, patience, and bearing with one in love. So this is how we bear burdens. It does feel like a lot, and it is a lot. But because of Christ, he's equipped us. He's given us the resources and the abilities to do that work. See, this is how we walk alongside people when they're hurting. We're called to be a faithful and come, come alongside people to walk with them and do this gently day by day. Like, if you've ever walked with someone through a difficult situation, that typically doesn't change overnight. It's a day by day, step by step journey. And so I encourage you, as you consider, okay, hey, how do I care for someone? Well, I care, be, why do I care? Be, well, because Christ cares for me. Well, how do I do it? I do it with gentleness. Okay, well, what does it look like in the everyday? It's just small steps of walking alongside, coming alongside them. Um, there's a, a counselor that I love, a guy named Ed Welch. 
at um, the Christian Counseling and Education Foundation. He has a great quote when it comes to caring for others, and he says this. He says, our calling is to care for each other's souls. Like, that's our calling, is to be a care, a caring people, one that cares for one another, to be a community of care. See, the church is designed to be this. It's designed to be a community of care that when the suffering of life hits, when we wander off, when we struggle, when we hurt, a community that patiently loves us in such a way that what would have sunk us before now, we are able to stand. That's who we should be as a church, as a people who care for one another in such a way that they know, that others know that, hey, on my own, I can't do this, but I have, I have the church around me. Remember, the church is not a building or a place, it's people. And because of that, we're called to come alongside one another. See, see, caring for someone, patiently loving them, is more than just worshiping here on a Sunday. And this is a big, important part of that, but it's not the only part of that. See, what this looks like to care and to shepherd one another is to have everyday relationships with, with one another. You know, here at Center, you all do missional communities. That's important. That's working through the daily things of life together. You know, hey, if you have to go, you know, everyone has to go grocery shop. Hey, go together. Just talk through the thing. Talk through the daily things of life with one another. Through rural life relationships. See, God's means of keeping us in the faith through the church is both gathering together around the word as a means of grace and living and living in relationship with one another beyond Sundays. I used to always joke that, hey, you have to go to Target. I have to go to Target. Let's go to Target together. You know, let's do this together. And now that I have kids, I'm like, yeah, come with me too because you can help me with my kids. (laughs) You know, it's hard. And so I I think often we hear these words, okay, Tyler, this sounds great. Like, I would love to care for this. I would love to care for people. But you don't know my story. I can't care for someone. Or, or I, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm busy. I have this or I have that. Or, and, and I'll be honest with you, you're, it is hard. And we struggle to do it. And, and sometimes it can, it can feel draining. Like if, if you do care well, I would, I would ask you to be honest. Hey, does it ever feel kind of draining though too? Because it does feel draining. See, at certain times we want to care for others, but life gets in the way. You have family challenges and marriage conflict and job stress or dissatisfaction. And we just feel exhausted. And we worn out and we want to come home and just crash on the couch and watch Netflix or just go to bed or just honestly just be left alone. So how can we care for others if we can't care for ourselves? And, on, and, and if we're really reflective and really introspective, how can we care for others if really we need someone to care for us first? And to make matters more difficult, we struggle with the idea of the church being caring sometimes because you may have come from a place in your past that the church did not care for you well. That it was not a place that was a community of care. 
So and you, then you hear the church say, oh, we want to care for you. And you're thinking, yeah, right. No, you don't. You, you just say that. See, that can be hard. And I, I want you to know that, that I, I can speak for Kyle on this. That Kyle, people see that. And they, they, that you're seen and you're known and they want to care for you. Like the staff team here wants to care deeply for you. And for what's happened in your past, I'm sorry. But Jesus sees that. And he knows, he knows where you're coming from. But the best way that the church can care for you and to teach others to care is by submitting all of it to Jesus. And say, Jesus, I, I want to care. I need to care. But I have all this too, and I just need you to care for me. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your anxieties and worries and cares on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Because he cares for you. And, and honestly, caring for one another is not a natural thing. See, because of sin, we are a wayward, wounded, and selfish people. And it makes more sense for us to focus on us, on me, on what's best for me. And honestly, if you look at culture and the things outside of the church, that's what, that's what it tells you. Hey, you do you, you worry about you, you focus on you, it's all about you. We believe the lie often that we should only take care of ourselves, that we can be self-reliant, that we don't have time for others. And we believe that often that we're too sinful and broken to even help someone else. Like, hey, how can God use me to care for others if they knew what was going on in my life? Like, I'm a mess. I can't care for others. But I'm going to tell you right now, church, as a pastor and a counselor, I'm a mess. Like, your life is just as messy as mine. It just may look different. Your mess may look different, but we have Christ. Like the author and perfecter of our faith, the one that goes before us, the one that cares deeply, the one that says it's finished, and that he cares deeply. And there may be things that you say, no, hey, I need to get help with and talk through. Yes, 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 a thousand times yes. Go talk. Get with a biblical counselor and talk, talk with that. Talk about that with someone. But I encourage you, if you feel like God can't use you to care because of your past, I can give you a roster of people in the scriptures who had the same reasoning. I mean, look at Paul. Look at the Apostle Paul. I don't think anyone in here is murdering people. He was. He was murdering Christians. And then if you know his story, he went from murdering Christians to meeting Jesus to then writing most of the New Testament. It's a bit of a flip, a bit of a change. So I'm like, okay, God, if you can do that in Paul's life, you can do that in my life. You can do that in anybody's life. You can do a work. But see, the thing is the church needs you to care for each other. They need your giftings. They need your abilities. You may be able to care for someone in such a way that only uniquely you can do it. So we've, so we've touched on, okay, why should we care? And we've touched on why we struggle to care. But I want to talk briefly about what does it look like for us to care? 
See, we must remember that care and counsel is not only for the pastors and biblical counselors. It's for, the, it's for broken people, for messy people, for sinful people. It's for each one of us. Care is a community endeavor. Um, if you have your Bible, though, I want you to kind of put your hand in Galatians 6 and flip over to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5. And it'll be up here on the screen as well. Chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. So, so what, what, it, what does it look like to care? Here, here's what it looks like to care. It says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem those very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with them all. See, we encourage the we sorry, we admonish the idle gently by warning those at times who are wandering from Jesus. Like your friends that you see wanting to walk away from their faith, or even you may hear this term nowadays, this deconstruction. They're deconstructing their faith. Like, like remind them of their hope that they have in Jesus. It's it's gonna be hard at times, but remind them of their hope. See, to be honest, we need people. All the time to remind us of the hope that we have in Christ. Like, we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. And how much better if we can have people in our life who are doing that with us. Say, hey, I know this isn't turned out how you thought it should or or the way you, you want it to. But look what God's doing. Look what he's doing in the midst of this. See, we need, we need these reminders. We need, we need to encourage the faint harder by encouraging those who are struggling or suffering. Not with well-meaning in, uh, intentions, not with good remedies, but with the promises of Scripture. We need to help the weak. We need to simply take care of one another and meet physical needs. If you see a family struggling to, to pay the bills and you have extra resources, hey, talk with them. See if you can help. That's a very practical thing. But hey, they, you know, our family had some sickness a few weeks ago. And our, well, we, we call them our missional community. They, they brought us meals for a week. And that was awesome. So I'm not to think about, hey, what are my, I can't feed my eight-year-old, five-year-old chicken nuggets again tonight. You know, like they're going to get like good food because we don't feel well enough to cook. Like praise God for that. They met a practical need. That's how we do it. Like, like that's what it looks like to care. To help the weak, to encourage the faint-hearted, and to be patient, though. To be patient with them. Patience is a key. Because care does not happen overnight. But care is sometimes a long journey. Um, let's go back, back to Galatians now. You can flip back to Galatians 6. says, but let each one, starting in verse 4, but let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, 
he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. See, we need one another to keep us from pride and conceit as well as we care for others. Because often we can think, oh, hey, things are pretty good for me. I don't need care. I I guarantee you still need care. Like, care is not just for for people who are broken. Care care is for people. Um, Pride can be destructive and our hearts can be wicked. But Paul reminds us in verse 9 and 10 this. He says that to not grow weary of doing good. For in due season... If, uh, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are in the household of faith. So I love what Paul says there. He goes, yes, do good to the household of faith, to the church body, but to everyone. See, what does Paul say here? He says to not grow weary, to do good. And what does it even mean, though? Um, I may date myself here a little bit, back, but back when I was in high school and college, I went to uh, Texas. I went to Texas Tech. It's a Texas A&M country, I know. And went to Tech, and we had a thing called AIM. Remember AOL Instant Messenger? Does anyone remember what that is? Okay, that's okay. And at on AIM, you would have you would leave like a message on your computer when you weren't there. It was calling away message. And some people would just put, hey, I'm not here. And if you're like me, you try to be real clever and put like a snarky Bible verse, you know, to try to show how good I was, you know, or, you know, whatever that was. So I had Galatians 6, 9 about not growing weary of doing good. And I just thought it meant to be a good person. I was like, look how good I am with my happy verse. And um, But I never considered that Paul's charge here was much more than that. He He, he wasn't calling it just to be a good person and... You know, even as Jesus says in the New Testament, hey, what do you mean by good? You know, that's a different conversation. But Paul's charge for the Galatians was to come alongside people and to be a long-suffering person. In the same way that Christ is long-suffering, to not grow weary in doing good. See, caring for one another is not a one-time event, but it's a daily call for us as the family of believers. But how do we not grow weary? We once again, we submit all of this to Jesus. And we recognize we need him to teach us how to do this daily. To teach us how not to be selfish. To teach us how to do good to everyone. Because when we try to do these things out of our own strength, we will exhaust ourselves and become bitter or hopeless. And I can say that to you, not as someone who's read that, but someone who's experienced that. That when I try to care out of my own strength, and not out of what I not out of what Christ gives me, it's you become kind of angry and say they don't appreciate me. Why don't they appreciate what I'm giving to them or what I'm doing for them? And then I find out, oh my gosh, like I'm trying to do this out of my own power and my own ability. So, so let me let me finish with this: is is if we if we value care, we want to be a community of care. Three things that we need to consider. First of all, we must be a people of presence. We need to pay attention to the needs around us. We need to be a people of presence in a culture of disconnection. As a professor at Wheaton College, he says, 
His name is Josh Claxton. He says, when the people of God are faithfully present to God, worshiping him in all spheres of life, remember, not just church, but in all spheres of life, they are missionally effective in the world. See, when we are faithfully showing up every day to care for our spouses, to care for our kids, our neighbors, our friends, our co-workers. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard people be encouraged because they said someone just was there. They just showed up. They were with me. Okay, so number one, we need to be a people of presence. Number two, we need to be a people who listen. We are active listeners and listen with intentionality. We need to embody James 1.19 where it says, To know this, my beloved brothers, let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to be angry. See, to care for, for someone, we need to know what they need. And you may laugh and say, of course you need to listen. But honestly, it, it is hard to be a good listener. And here's why. Because often when someone's talking, we will hear what we need to hear for a response. And then we'll quit listening. And then we'll just respond. And what happens is we give well-meaning bad wisdom. Because we think they're saying this. And when in reality, they're saying something completely different. But we only caught one part of it. Because by nature, we're not trained to be really good listeners. We're trained to be fact finders. And we get the fact and we respond with what they think we need to do. And see, when we quit listening, it leads to surface-level questions, never addressing the heart of the issue. Consider how Jesus listened. He not only heard the words that the people were saying, but he heard the heart of the one speaking. We can do the same. Um, in a really good book I recommend, um, it's like a marriage conflict book. It's got him, Steve Hopp. It's called Talking His Teammates. He says this. This is, this is good for care. Especially, especially good for your marriage. So if you're married. It says, when we start listening with intention, complimenting with sincerity, and pointing each other to Jesus as we speak, we made the decision to offer life and not death with our words. See, when we listen with intention, people will respond and feel cared for. Our words have the power to bring life to someone, but also the power to bring death to someone. So how are we responding what what are what are they getting from our words? So we need to so we need to we need to be present. We need to listen. And lastly, we need to be a people who ask. We need to ask good questions. If you want to care for someone, ask them really good, meaningful questions. We are to be a people of curiosity. Ask a lot. Ask, how can I pray for you? Ask, hey, how's that thing going on in your marriage? Ask, hey, how does that make you feel? I'm the right audience, okay? <laughs> Ask, hey, what do you see God doing in your life? Or, or how, did, how did you perceive that? Don't ask, hey, how's your day? Ask more than that. I used to joke that often whenever you ask someone how their day is, they'll respond with fine. And, if, and the joke was, if fine doesn't stand for fine, fine stands for frustrated, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. So 
If we want to be a people who care, we need to ask really good questions. Ask those in your marriage. If you have kids, ask those to your kids, to your friends. Because when you start asking good questions, they'll begin to see, hey, there's something different about this person. Like they care for me. And it may be uncomfortable at first, but they care for me. So we need to be a people who are present in a culture of disconnection. We need to be a people who, li- who listen with the intention of hearing the person's heart, not just their words. And then we need to be people who ask really good, meaningful questions. Um, I want to close by asking you to consider this. The band can come up. Um, asking what the Spirit may be leading you to grow in, uh, to care, as you care first for yourself, and as you care for one another. So ask yourself this question. is Maybe you need to ask the Spirit who you need to be a faithful gospel presence for. Or maybe it's how do you need to be cared for? And if it's that question, I encourage you to go a step further and tell someone. Say, hey, I'm dealing with this. I need, you to, I need help. I need you to care for me. And it doesn't have to be it's like a serious thing. It can be like, hey, I just want to be a better parent. I want to yell at my kids less. I have some buddies I talk to all the time. I'm like, listen, like, my eight-year-old's crazy. Help me, like, help me yell less. Like, give me wisdom. Like, show me the scriptures how I can do this. See, the church wants and needs you to be open. And they want to come alongside you. And that can start with this morning. There's freedom in confession. So I encourage you to care for one another, but in addition, to let yourself be cared for as well. But we do this. We care and we let ourselves be cared with gentleness and a patience that reflects the kindness of Christ in us. Every person in the body caring and counseling one another with wisdom and patience for the glory of the church and the glory of Jesus. This morning, as we do each week, we're going to take um, the Lord's Supper together. We invite anyone who's a baptized believer to to take it with us. See, we're reminded out of John 6, 53 through 58 reminds us that Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you that unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. But whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, And I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. But whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. So this morning we talk about being a community of care. And this is, Jesus cared for us deeply. And this supper 
is a reminder of the promises that God has made. It's a means by which God has promised to nourish us, not merely intellectually, but invisibly by the presence of the Spirit. So as you can, as you take the bread, which is a sign of Christ's body broken, and the cup, which is, represents the blood of Christ shared for us, be reminded that we can be assured that Christ is truly present with us by the Spirit, nourishing and empowering His body as a church. Let me pray. Jesus, we, we thank you that you care deeply for us. And we're reminded of that by the elements of the Lord's Supper. Can we ask that um, you will teach us how to be a people of care? How we can care for one another in such a way that the world would say, that is only because of something different. And that difference is you. Let us be a people who receive care, though, too. And are not afraid to say, hey, I need, I need help in this area. But we, we are encouraged by who you are. We are encouraged that you have all that we need. We are sustained by you, and we're thankful for that. So we love you. Remind Jesus that you've died, you've risen, and you will come again. Amen.